Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. All right, we are live. Uh, post-game reaction, Ole Miss and South Carolina. A uh, significant win for the Rebels. And uh, if I'm whispering, it's because uh, my son is sleeping like there's a wall that's about this thick in between us. So uh, I hope you can hear me okay. Uh, but this is as loud as I'm going to be because he's sleeping right next door and uh, and I need to keep quiet so I don't wake up the one-year-old. So let me just fire a tweet off here, uh, share it on my Twitter, and uh, we'll get started. Uh, my son is sleeping in there. Sorry about this. All right. Anyway, okay. Um, let's get started. So... Uh, Ole Miss, uh, 59-42 winner over South Carolina. And uh, and a game that earlier this week I, I called an opportunity game for Ole Miss, one that uh, they could really put it all together and kind of send a message. Uh, Vanderbilt just doesn't do that. I mean, you guys saw last week just truly how bad Vanderbilt is. Uh, this was an opportunity, or two weeks ago, this was an opportunity for Ole Miss to, to show that they can put it all together. They didn't do that today, but still an unbelievable performance from Ole Miss offensively. It's really hard to fathom uh, just how incredible the last two games have been uh, for Ole Miss offensively. I mean, Matt Corral, 513 yards through the air today on just four incompletions. And for good measure, they ran it for 195, over 700 yards of total offense for Ole Miss. I don't care if they're playing Madison Central High School. Uh, okay, I, I don't care if they're doing this on air uh, against nobody. What they've done the last two games offensively is so incredibly impressive. And it's not just that they're putting up numbers. It's how they're putting up numbers. The efficiency of Ole Miss offensively the last couple of games is truly remarkable. And it goes to show you just how creative of a scheme and of play callers you have with Lane Kiffin and Jeff Lebby at Ole Miss because it's looked somewhat differently every week. I mean, you saw it tonight with how they used Elijah Moore, and we'll get to more on him here in a second, but the way they used Elijah Moore was long. I mean, Ole Miss is seven games into the season, and you have yet to see Elijah Moore take handoffs. And yet, tonight, they gave him six carries. It was more than that because they did a little touch pass thing, but those are the kind of things that you just you haven't seen for a long time uh, for Ole Miss at all, especially. But um, that's the difference. That's what makes Ole Miss so special offensively. Yeah, they've got talent. Of course they do. Uh, Elijah Moore is playing his way into an early round. I mean, his size is a detriment, but like working his way into a first-round draft pick. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. Matt Corral's super talented. Uh, Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor and Henry Parrish got some run tonight. The backs are good. The offensive line is good, so they're talented. But it's how they're 
being used and the creativity of the offense and the new wrinkles that you're getting every single week it is just it's so much fun to watch but it's deeper than that it's more than just fun it's so effective that you're seeing new wrinkles every week i, I told you uh if you listen to the podcast every day um that they call offenses and run an offense based on their opponent not based on what they want to do they alter they add things and wrinkles every week and i mean a lot of people just expect that to be the case for most teams but you'd be surprised you're not seeing it like this with new additions new wrinkles new plays everything how different the offense is week to week based on their opponent and what the looks they're going to get from their opponent and how creative it then becomes. And it's so hard to scheme against them because they're going to do things against you that you've never seen before. I can't imagine what South Carolina was thinking tonight when Elijah Moore lines up next to Matt Corral and is taking handoffs. I mean, Ole Miss has never shown them that before. And yet tonight it happened. And so that just goes to show you I mean, everything you already know, it's obvious that Ole Miss is creative offensively. It's obvious that it's a lot of fun and it's very explosive. But what gets lost in all of the the clipboard tossing and all that stuff is such an intricate scheme that changes from week to week to exploit the weaknesses of their opponent. And here you are again, 59 points over 700 yards of offense against an SEC opponent not named Vanderbilt. I mean, that's unbelievable. Matt Corral broke the Ole Miss single-game passing record tonight. And uh, the play calling was balanced. He threw for 513 yards on 16 fewer throws than carries in the game. Uh, So it was a balanced offense, even though they threw for a billion yards. Um, Just you, you cannot say enough about this offense and the people calling it, and the schemes they're using, and the creativity, and the mismatch exploitation that they do. It is just, um, it's truly remarkable uh, what they're able to do on a weekly basis uh, offensively. And of course, you've got to start with Matt Corral. Um, He's always had this ability. This is why after the Arkansas game, I said what I did on the radio, and on here, and on my Sunday show, and everywhere, that Matt Corral is the guy, the perfect fit for this offense, and one game should not change that. And I said the same thing after Auburn, is the quarterback shuffling doesn't need to happen. I was on this train all last year, and I know that there were some Ole Miss fans that are seemingly pretty quiet uh, now in my Twitter mentions. Uh, There are some Ole Miss fans that um, didn't like the constant talking about how Corral is the guy moving forward, but it's what I saw even last year. He's always had this ability. He has always had this talent. Lane Kiffin's not just pulling a rabbit out of a hat, and Matt Corral's just miraculously talented. He has always had this kind of ability. That 65-yard throw uh, he he threw to um, Braylon Sanders, I mean, that's a throw that there are some guys that are starting on Sundays cannot make. The arm talent has always, always, always been there. The difference between Matt Corral 2020 and Matt Corral 2019 is who's coaching him and how he's being used. This offense fits him very well, and the improvement that he's made from Arkansas, even the Auburn game, and Vanderbilt and now is through his own hard work, of course, but coaching. It's 
Um, it's a remarkable uh, difference between last year and this year, but the talent has always been there. And one of you says, no, Kiffin's just an offensive genius. See, I disagree. I think Matt Corral, not about Lane Kiffin being an offensive genius thing. He's shown that. But I think Matt Corral's talent has always been there. He showed you that a year ago. The scheme was just atrocious. It was awful. And so, and it didn't fit him at all. And now you're seeing what he's capable of when he's being used correctly. And right now he's being used correctly and coached correctly. And the difference is extreme, even from the Arkansas game, because the difference between Matt Corral against Arkansas and Matt Corral against Vanderbilt in South Carolina tonight, and you guys saw it, I don't think he forced a single ball into coverage. I mean, there was a couple, like there was a a little sidearm throw he had to uh, uh, Dontario Drummond, I believe. And then he hit Elijah Moore on a slant, and he was covered, but it was just a perfect, perfectly thrown ball. He's not forcing it right now. He's looking off safeties. He's hitting his check down. He's throwing the ball out of bounds uh, when he needs to. That's the difference uh, between him against Arkansas and him now. And that's why I sat here on this Periscope feed and on the podcast and on the radio telling you that that's why you don't bench him after one bad game because you got to give him a chance to learn. And that's exactly what he did. It's exactly what he did. And tonight, yet again, uh, he showed you uh, just that. And he's almost thrown for 1,000 yards in his last two games. Almost 1,000 yards in his last two games. It is uh, unbelievable. And the efficiency of it is what is so remarkable. I mean, again, tonight he had the same number of touchdown passes as he had incompletions. Last, or I guess two weeks ago, uh, they had um, he had six touchdown passes on three incompletions. So in two games, he has thrown seven incompletions and ten touchdown passes. Seven incompletions and ten touchdown passes in his last two games. The efficiency of it is uh, what makes it uh, next level and so incredibly impressive. He's not forcing it. There's your difference. He's not forcing the football into places it doesn't belong. He's got a strong arm. I mean, there were a couple of times tonight where he really sat back in the pocket and just let one fly over the middle, and he showed you that ability, but he's not forcing the football, and that's a huge change. And uh, if you're just joining us, I see the the Periscope numbers going up some. Um my son, my one-year-old, is sleeping in the next room, so i got to be quiet. Um, but, yeah, he's just uh, unbelievable, and so is Elijah Moore. Uh, I mean, the fact that South Carolina at times put J.C. Horn on him, and J.C. Horn is an NFL a potential early to mid-round pick at corner. South Carolina's best player, uh, Joe Horn's son, uh, really good player, high-level defensive back. And Elijah Moore still found a way to get open. Uh, the route running is so crisp. And you want to talk about efficient. Matt Crowell's efficient throwing the football. Elijah Moore's movements are so efficient. When he's running routes, there's no wasted motion. It's so just crisp and efficient and fast. Um, and then he catches the football, which, of course, is a bonus. But uh, his route running is unbelievable. His after the catch in space, uh, he's fantastic. Running the football tonight, he was good. Um, it's funny seeing a guy his size uh, running between the tackles, but here we are, and and he was excellent at that as well. Um, he's having a, a all-time Ole Miss season, and unfortunately, 
this is the only year he's being used correctly as well. I mean, we talked about Matt Corral, right? But he wasn't used correctly in last year's offense or the year before his either. Um, he should be in the conversation. I'm not saying he's better than AJ and DK. I'm not saying that. Um, or Laquan or Moncrief or any of those guys that people talk about, the all-time great receivers at Ole Miss. Uh, but the season he's having right now is. It is. And it's a shame that he only gets 10 games at it instead of 12 because he'd shatter every record. He's still probably going to break them. But I hope Ole Miss fans remember uh, Elijah Moore the way he deserves to be remembered. Um, and his redemption after what happened in the Egg Bowl last year to what he's doing this year is pretty cool. I mean, that's a really cool story. Uh, so, so good for him uh, on that front. But I hope when you guys, as Ole Miss fans, think about Elijah Moore and talk about him and remember him, that he is in that conversation. That, hey, remember when A.J. Brown did this? Hey, A.J. Brown, one of the best. Laquan Treadwell in Tuscaloosa did that. Talk about Elijah Moore uh, when you have those conversations because he's that good. Uh, he's having that kind of a season, and he belongs. Different bodied receiver, of course, but he belongs in that conversation. And uh, I hope tonight especially uh, we'll bring that out uh, because he deserves it. Uh, he was a product of bad scheme. He was a product of bad um, everything uh, the last couple of seasons. Now he's showing you how good he really is and that he belongs uh, in those conversations, for sure. He absolutely belongs in those conversations. Um, speaking of that, uh, the fourth down play calling. I love that so much uh, about the way Lane Kiffin coaches. Um, there's just no there, there's no conservative bone in his body, and I think that helps them execute better on fourth down. I think that helps them. Um, Tom Hart and uh, Cole Kublik and Jordan Rogers were talking about it during the game. Um, South Carolina players were jokingly saying, and it, it made me laugh too, uh, sometimes they don't think that Ole Miss knows that it's fourth down because they're so quick to just go for it and not care. The fourth down play calling in the execution is so, so, so good. And I think in part, uh, they execute so well on fourth down because they're comfortable. It's something that obviously they do a lot, as you guys know. I mean, they, they go for it on fourth down all the time. But it, it's there's no doubt. There's no question. And there's no added pressure. And so, I mean, you look at Matt Corral, uh, his couple of throws on fourth down tonight, um, it, it just no panic. It's just comfortable. And, and I think that leads to success on fourth down is – it's not abnormal to them. You know, they can, it's just part of what they do and how they operate. So, you know, fourth down feels like a big deal, but not here because it's just what they do. And the efficiency and the play calling on fourth down is just, um, it's so, so good. And it's demoralizing for a defense, too, to get a stop. You know, you, typically you get a stop and it's third down, and you get off the field, and yet Ole Miss just keeps the offense on the field. They run hurry up and then. They get it on fourth down. That's just demoralizing for a defense and just something that, um, yet again, uh, Ole Miss did well offensively tonight. I mean, they clicked on all cylinders. They ran the football pretty well. Uh, there were a couple of times where um, South Carolina up front kind of got to them. Um, but still, they ran the football well. Matt Corral was efficient. The play calling was creative. And they had new wrinkles. And 
with with the exception of one drop, the receivers caught the football and, and got open, and it was fun and creative and efficient and just one of those nights for um, just an incredible offense, uh, which is what you have uh, right now. The Lane Kiffin throwing the clipboard thing. I mean, the the thing about that video of Lane Kiffin throwing his clipboard is, so I've got this picture up. You guys have seen this by now, I'm sure. Can you see that? Probably not. Oh, you can't see that. Okay, anyway, sorry. Um, when Matt Corral threw that 91-yard touchdown pass to Elijah Moore, um, he did that pump fake to the right, and when he looked back to see Elijah Moore, Matt Corral's right foot is on his own two-yard line. Okay, so the quarterback is holding the football on his own two-yard line. Hasn't thrown it yet. And Lane Kiffin's arms are up in the air. I mean, (laughs) how cool is that? This quarterback is on his own two-yard line, and the coach has got his hands up in the air because he knows it's going to be a touchdown. Then he throws the clipboard up in the air, and it gets into the view of the camera. I mean, that's just... That's the kind of stuff I've been talking about uh, on this podcast for so long, guys, is it's just fun. Um, Ole football is fun right now. The offense is fun. The coach is fun. Social media, like the stuff they're doing, the uh, staff baseball game they play every Friday. I mean, Monty Kiffin was dancing on his 80th birthday, and the team was dancing with him, and just little things like that. They're having fun. And for the last four years of Ole Miss football. Did you have any fun? Was it fun to watch? Was it fun to be a fan? I mean, this team's three and four. And and you guys are having more fun, and the team is having more fun than you have in the last four years combined. I mean, that's, that's the difference. It's a fun product. And um, they showed it tonight. But it wasn't all good. So that was all good. Offense, of course, everything about it. Uh, record-breaking, uh, fun, efficient, everything you want to say that's good. Um, you could say that about that offense tonight. It's the other side of the ball. And yet again, uh, we're at that conversation. You know, is it talent or is it scheme? Uh, is it DJ Durkin? What is going on with the defense? And I think it's a multi-layered thing. Um and I'm going to sound kind of repetitive because, number one, aside from Vanderbilt, Ole Miss defensively lacks talent and is overmatched at every spot. At every spot. They lack talent and are overmatched against every opponent on defense. Uh, it is impossible to stop the run when you have a defensive line as bad, young, and inexperienced as Ole Miss's. It's hard to stop the run, and you can't scheme out of that kind of a deficiency on defense. You can't scheme out of that. It's impossible. How the hell can DJ Durkin call a play that stops the run against South Carolina when their defensive line is getting beat physically at the point of attack that bad? What do you want him to do? So the people that are just calling um, him a failure and the scheme is bad and it's it's not a talent deficiency what I, w- I would ask those people what would you like them to do differently as far as calling plays what would you like them to do differently that would stop the run because if your defensive line is getting beat that bad 
And Danny, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, if your defensive line is getting beat that bad, what can you do schematically? Seriously, what can you do? The answer is nothing. Um, really, the answer is nothing. They have to recruit their way out of this. But also, so that's point number one, but also, I have rarely... Danny, again, you're making no sense. Um, rarely have I seen a defense that is so bad at angles, so bad at gap integrity, um, shedding blocks. Uh, the way they take on blocks is is really mind-blowing. It's like they don't fight through them. They just kind of accept them. Uh, Patrick Willis, you guys know Patrick Willis, was on Twitter tonight explaining exactly why they do... Uh, why they're so bad at shedding blocks. They don't use their hands. They just kind of like accept them with their body. So they take poor angles, horrible angles. Uh, they're terrible at gap responsibility. Um, the angles are not fine. I- I'm going to stop responding to you. Um, angles are awful. Gap responsibility and integrity is bad. They lose contain on the edge all the time. Um, and they don't approach blocks the right way. And that is something that is concerning. So there's a talent deficiency uh, everywhere. But they take poor, poor angles. Um, and Blue Box, Andy, you say the line and backers were whipped. If a defensive back missed a tackle, it's off the races. Yeah, and um, Danny, buddy, look here, man. Um, they don't. They, they just don't. So go ahead and bounce. See you later. That's fine. You don't have to watch this anymore. Just know that when you get off of this, you are wrong. Okay? Just, okay. Um, And that is something that's concerning. Um, Because that's not getting any better. And those are things that you don't need talent to improve on. Um, taking good angles is not something that requires talent to do. Uh, it's just simply not. You're, you're flooding the feed with comments like that. I'm sorry. I'd just go on. Um, that's what's concerning to me. So I am not, I still think that I am, uh, um, it's mostly due to a lack of talent. Mostly due to it. Um, but there's something there that is a huge concern. And they're not getting any better at things that don't require talent to be better at. Um, so I'm not ready to just like write the team off yet and write the defense off yet and write Durkin off yet. I know, I mean, I've gotten a few texts tonight that, you know, said fire Durkin. You know, I got a handful of them. Um, I'm not ready to do that yet because I think it's impossible to coach uh, out of such a talent deficiency. It's hard to coach out of that. But when you look at things that they can get better on, they're not. Things that don't require talent, uh, they're not getting any better at it, and that's a big concern for that defense. Um, they're not getting any better. 
And um, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, getting better players certainly helps, but those are things that if I'm Lane Kiffin, I'm looking at and wondering what the hell's going on Um, because those are real problems. And, I mean, Kevin Harris is good. He's not 250 yards on 25 carries. That's a first down per carry. Um, And five touchdowns good. Not even close. Um, Didn't even do that against Vanderbilt. And that, you cannot tell me, um, you cannot tell me that Kevin Harris, or or that that is exclusively... um, A talent issue. All right, let's see. That guy can go away. Uh, so he's gone. Hope that helps you guys out. Um, he was distracting me with all that crap. So uh, if you're listening on the podcast, by the way, there's just a guy being an idiot in the uh, in the feed. Um, anyway, so basically what I'm saying is um, they do lack talent. I got to reset now because I'm all in my head now. Um, they lack talent. You can't scheme out of it. But there are things that they can improve that should be improving throughout the course of a season, and they're not. And I'd be concerned about that. This was the first night this season that I've looked at this defense and thought maybe there's a little bit more to it than that. And so we'll see if the game actually gets played next week against Texas A&M. Um, there's talk that it's probably not going to. The contact tracing and all that crap has really uh, set the season back some. So they might not even play against A&M next week. But if you think Kevin Harris was good, uh, wait till you see what Texas A&M has. It's, uh, it's not pretty. So this is the first night this season that I've, uh, I've thought that it's more than just talent. So take that for what it's worth. All right, that's all I have written down for notes. So if you guys have any comments, any questions, anything like that, I will take them. Um, glad you guys are watching. Um, really appreciate it. I know it's late. It's 1030. It's past my bedtime for sure. Um, and listen to the show tomorrow. So I do a Sunday radio show as well uh, from 8 to 10. Best way to listen since nobody's like at a radio at 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, supertalktv.com. So 8 to 10 if you, uh, if you want to hear more of this or, uh, or listen to it. I'd be glad uh, to uh, to have you on and um, take your calls and all that good stuff. So um, listen then. I'm excited about that. So glad you guys are with me. If there's anything else um, that you have comment-wise, I'll, I'll happily take them. If not, I'm going to go uh, go to bed myself. And again, sorry about having to be so quiet. Uh, little guy sleeping uh, in the next room over. So uh, trying to keep him... Um, Trying to keep him asleep. I have to talk like this when I play Call of Duty with my buddies, too. So, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost 30, and I still play video games on an almost nightly basis. So, that tells uh, you a lot about me. Uh, anyway. All right. So, uh, I'm going to hang it up again. Thank you, guys, for, uh, for being a part of this. The podcast will be uploaded uh, shortly. Um, do we have any decent defensive line recruits in the pipeline? Yeah, so if you look at the recruiting class right now, I'll pull it up for you. Uh, recently, they got a commitment from uh, a high-level defensive tackle out of the state of Georgia. Um, so that was a significant pickup. The thing about this recruiting cycle for Ole Miss is I wouldn't be surprised at all if they 
undersign uh, where most people are so used to their team signing 25 guys every year, right? And and some leave early for the NFL or some guys transfer, but you're signing 25 guys every year. I do not at all expect Ole Miss to sign 25 players in this class. In, in fact, I think that they might come way under that number. And the reason I think that is I expect them to continue to hit the transfer portal hard because Lane Kiffin told you in his introductory press conference, uh, he told you that um, they were going to build a roster differently, that college football is really changing, especially because next year you'll have a one-time penalty-free transfer. So um, he told you that he was going to build roster in different ways, that he was going to sign high school kids, ones that he thinks that he can win with. Um, But more importantly, He's going to use the portal. He's going to use junior college. If there's somebody there that they want, they're going to build rosters differently. So I would be shocked if Ole Miss did not take in a couple of transfers, whether it be graduate transfer or just regular old transfer portals, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, They've got spots open. So even if it's somebody that may not be a starter somewhere else, um, take Otis Reese, for example who will be a huge piece on Ole Miss's secondary next year uh, in the defensive backfield, wasn't a starter at Georgia, but played but wasn't a starter. He finds a home at Ole Miss, and he'll be a day-one starter next season when he's eligible. They're going to do the same thing along the defensive line especially and that linebacker. But if you're looking at this class right now, they've got uh, three defensive linemen committed right now. One of them, the aforementioned defensive tackle from Georgia, I think he's the number one defensive tackle in the state, not defensive lineman, but specifically uh, defensive tackle in the state of Georgia. Uh, they've got another defensive end from the state of Georgia. And then Jamon Gordon, who is a guy that committed to Auburn, I think he's from Meridian, uh, committed to Auburn out of high school when uh, Matt Luke was a coach at Ole Miss. Um, tried to get him, couldn't get him. Uh, signed with Auburn, couldn't go to Auburn, went to Scuba. Now he's on his way to Ole Miss. So two guys on the defensive line that will really help um, that were recruited by a bunch of big-time schools, one of which junior college transfer, uh, one of which just a uh, a regular old freshman. But, yeah, they're going to hit the portal hard uh, this offseason. You can absolutely count on that. It's uh, the way teams are building rosters now, um, at least the ones that are forward-thinking. And that's what Ole Miss is going to do. And people are just going to look at recruiting class rankings, and that's going to be a mistake. Because recruiting rankings do not include Kenny Yeboah. Recruiting rankings don't include Otis Reese. Recruiting rankings don't include Tavius Robinson, who had a sack tonight from Canada. Um, So, like, come signing day this year, Ole Miss isn't going to sign the number seven class or whatever. Or they might not even sign a top 15 class. And people are going to be like, wait, what the hell is going on in recruiting? Well, number one, COVID. And number two, they're going to use transfers. And transfers don't count yet. They should, but they don't. And that'll be a big deal. Because look at how productive Kenny Oboa has been for Ole Miss this year. He hasn't counted towards anything. You think he's an important piece? And just wait till you see how important Otis Reese will be for that team next year. Former four-star. Went to Georgia. Played at Georgia. Just wasn't a starter. He's not going to be reflective in recruiting rankings for Ole Miss. So I would take that into account when signing day comes along uh, this year. So, all right. You guys are the best.
Uh, really glad that uh, you watched this late. If you're listening on the podcast, of course, thank you. Podcast is brought to you by LB's. Go see Greg and tell him we sent you. Not right now. I think they're closed. Uh, but go by and see Greg and tell him we sent you. The numbers on the podcast have been been just awesome. Um, you you guys are, are seriously, you guys are the best uh, listening uh, every day the way you do. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for that. And uh, anyway, LB's across from Kroger, University Avenue, right there in Oxford. They have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. They're open seven days a week. Uh, if you're going to grill in Mississippi, the best place to start that is LB's in Oxford. So go see Greg and tell him we sent you. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky if you don't already. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review, and listen to me tomorrow or watch me because it would it's like you know, a video feed on a live stream or whatever. Uh, Sports Sunday, uh, my Sunday radio show, uh, 8 to 10 tomorrow morning. Uh, So listen to that. But if you're on the podcast right now, you're probably listening to this after the show ends. But um, anyway, again, thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening if you're on the podcast. And uh, we'll see you uh, in the next video. Have a great night. Enjoy the win. Pour yourself a beer. And uh, relish in what was one of the most impressive offensive performances you'll ever see, uh, ever. (laughs) It was that good. So enjoy that, enjoy the win, and I'll talk to you guys again soon. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.